Greetings, super friends. Welcome back to Superman and Lois and Pals. I'm Henry Bernstein, and alongside me is my favorite super pal, Professor Sam Brody. Let's move on to Superman and Lois Season 3, Episode 5, Head On. This was directed by David Ramsey and written by Andrew N. Wong. Clark and General Lane are both having a hard time giving Lois room to make her own decisions. Lana and Sarah have a run-in with an old friend at the diner. Natalie has a surprise visitor. So let's continue talking about the the Lois thing. It, It was very funny that right away, Mannheim was just there. Like they didn't do any kind of subterfuge or secret stuff. It was just whoa, Lois was busted by Mannheim right away. And then pivot to Mannheim showing Lois his human side and not just like locking her in a room with some henchmen and threatening mm-hmm. her. I, I, it was kind of gave her something to think about, which, you know, sort of begs the question, why is he her white whale? Mm-hmm. You know, like what? Like, what happened seemed, to begin with? Right. Was it at the, at the start that caught her attention about him? Right, because like you can imagine a world in which Luther is doing something similar, right? Oh, mm-hmm. The Luther Hospital, the Lex Luther Hospital, the Memorial Hospital, or whatever. But his secret, you know, pull the shades back thing is, you know, they're cloning Bizarros, which obviously, you know, we're getting to with Mannheim. But so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like anytime you get it, you have a villain that has some humanity, or it's sort of like, oh, you know, they're kind of right. That's a good villain. Mm-hmm. You know, the best heels in wrestling are the ones that kind of have a point and just telling the truth. Right. Know? I mean, I I feel like there's a what they need to do is make you believe that it's really the motivation and not just like philanthropy as a cover. Because, you know, any billionaire, like in real life, billionaires give a lot of money to charity. It doesn't make me like them anymore. Because like I just feel like this is just what they're doing to make basically to try to kosher their money, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to be a nefarious force in society. I'm going to cause all kinds of harm, but I'm also going to give all this money to some good work or whatever. So, uh, you know, if that's like what the hospital scene is, then it's not that impressive. Whereas if it's like, if his whole spiel that he's telling Lois about his character is true, then it's more interesting. So, my sense is that, like, it can be true without making you reevaluate his criminal side. And she doesn't seem to be very interested in, like, you know, dropping the case or anything after being told all of that stuff. But it does add a dimension. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know we, we don't want to get into too much speculation because we'll see. But I just, I wonder, it, it was a moment of sort of double surprise with 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 the show like the the surprise of him discovering of Mannheim discovering Lois right away and the surprise of of him having sort of revealing to her like I'll give you all the files here you go here are all the doctor's files and and she's sort of sticking to her guns so I, I just I wonder what sort of the next uh, move is going to be now obviously we get Bizarro back, which is very exciting. You know, I remember lamenting last season. Like, I was kind of sad that that was the last we were going to see of Bizarro. And it's possible you even said, well, you don't know. We didn't see him die or whatever it was. You know, we, we might have had that discussion. I don't know. But 
now you know maybe we'll get like this sort of you know they'll make him into a villain villain the the villain version of bizarro we sort of got the like first version of him fighting clark as a fighting superman and then the second version where he's his opposite but still so meaning he's still good inside and now we'll get the like controlled version so that's kind of cool I would like if then they went to version three, which was the Silver Age slapstick version. Uh, it doesn't fit the mood of this season, so they would have to do a different uh, version first. But if they wanted to have like comic relief Bizarro, I would be pretty into that. Yeah, <laughs> and a road trip with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. There was uh, there's a lot of moving, really moving stuff not just from lois in this one seeing her vulnerability but um clark talking to the chemo patients Mm -hmm. this is really classic clark kent stuff like Mm -hmm. clark kent connecting with the people of metropolis and i think in the past we're used to seeing that from a reporter level and sort of as regular guy clark you know, walking into Bibbo's or right. get it going into Dooley's to get, you know, his his usual tuna salad or sandwich or uh beef bourguignon. Beef, yeah, or ordering beef bourguignon from somewhere or getting a hot dog right in front of the Daily Planet. You know, something like that. You see when Clark's a man of the people in Metropolis, it's like it's really, really good. <laughs> and it was cool. It was it was like a nice wrinkle to see him doing that just for his own healing and because he he tyler played that whole deer in headlights thing so perfect like he mm-hmm. really you know he just his first reaction to that woman telling him her t- telling clark that she lost her her daughter to to breast cancer is just she was so young like mm-hmm. sort of that that the, the kind of wide-eyed boy scout stuff that maybe sometimes superman gets um uh criticized for but it was really sincere in that you know, like he I think he was really being sincere, like sort of saying, how could someone so young die? And mm-hmm. this is a person who must see death every day, but to still have that same sort of naivete was really sweet, I thought. It did feel, since you mentioned it, I guess in retrospect, kind of like he was reporting a human interest piece. Uh, but he wasn't, he was just talking to them. I think at first it did. I thought like, that's what it sort of felt like. But then as they unpacked it more, it was like, no, he was working some stuff out. Yeah. I mean, they, that's, they went into the conversation with that angle. They were like, oh, this guy needs to hear some stuff from us. So um, I thought it was pretty well done. It was like the kind of thing that I don't think we've seen before on a, live action superman i don't recall a time also on a superhero tv show certainly seeing that kind of level of realism in chemo treatment like i've seen it in other drama shows like Mm -hmm. on hbo (laughs) you know things like that or you know i don't know some network you know but seeing that on a tv like this is a really serious show this is not a silly superhero show and i know that because I made a note that saying is Superman in this episode. Oh, there he is with ten twenty five right. left to go. Right. <laughs> so, and I wasn't mad about that. That it's not a criticism. I think that the episode was really good. It was just interesting that you didn't really need Superman until ten minutes left in the episode. 
It was a pretty good fight, though. I mean, it was uh, a... I remember I actually thought like, oh, he should try the freeze breath. And then he tried the freeze breath and then it didn't work. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. It's like actually tracked his decision making in the fight. And, uh, you know, really appreciated that. Like, um, you could see him going through the like. The Rolodex okay. of all his powers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what's going to work here? Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I love that you were like doing a little sort of play-by-play in your head, like you're sort of, you know, drawing X's and O's on this telestrator. Yeah, you know. Thinking back to like, what did he ever, you know, when Martian Manhunter was mind-controlled one time, right? And he was intangible. What happened? Like, right. <laughs> you know, just trying to remember um, what do you do yeah. with the intangible guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that, uh, that villain, speaking of that villain, oh, and, and it seemed like he, Superman was able to stop him by, by, his ability to sort of see fast moving, like he caught him before he could phase. Was that sort of what you got? My from sense, him? yeah. My sense was that that was a super speed moment. Yeah. Okay. He um, sort of saw super speed. Like, right. He, and then he followed up with like a sonic wave, basically. Yeah. The, the clap, the thunder uh-huh. clap. Yeah. He used a lot of good powers in that. Mm-hmm. I don't Small like room, um, right. So, like, yeah. not a lot of uh, room to maneuver, literally. Right. I don't like when there's stabbing with kryptonite I, I you know that was one of the parts in superman returns that the brutal beat down i didn't like i, I just no i hated that i, I hate that stuff I, I i don't like that but it's okay it was you know so the villain was they called him deadline deadline is a dc comics villain who was first appeared in starman number 15 1989 created by roger stern was originally suicide squad secret society of supervillains post-crisis kind of stuff then later in, in DC Rebirth was a Deathstroke villain, which is kind of funny because Deathstroke is a villain, but in his own comic, he's not. His abilities are intangibility, special equipment. He has intangibility, special equipment, master mercenary, skilled hand-to-hand combat. But the the villain that he reminded me of was from my favorite issue of Superman comics of all time, Adventures of Superman number 505, this is the issue in which Clark is finally back from the dead in Metropolis. It's the one after the action comics where Matrix Supergirl shapeshifts into Clark underground, like he was found among the. Mm-hmm. So it's the one has two covers: a beautiful cover of him flying over the Metropolis skyline, and there's another one of him flying over the Daily Planet that's kind of chromy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in that issue, so he, uh. You know, he taps on the window. Lois, the, the, the caption says something to the effect of, um, there's not a doubt in her mind, and she's in his arms uh, faster mm-hmm. than a speeding bullet. And they're kissing in the air and everything. He goes on to do some stuff in Metropolis. Special Crimes vic- uh, Unit is called. There's a villain called Loophole who is phasing through stuff and stealing from a bank. And he has like a more of a portal type movement, right? Like he was opening portals and stepping through them. No, no, he was phasing. Like oh, Kitty okay. Pride, um, okay. because what happens is, so he's a nothing to Clark. You know, this mm-hmm. is like a Clark's basically like, come on, you know, <laughs> this is like a G level level villain, <laughs> and he uh, while he's phasing, this is what r- reminded me of it. While Loophole is phasing through the bank vault or through the wall, Superman pulls the cord, the power cord on his suit. And so it shorts out. And so he's he's phased into 
the building and then the special crimes unit pulls the, the the little wreckage out so i was just sort of happy to, i was wondering while they were fighting as he was punching as he and when he did the thunderclap i thought oh is he gonna unfaze inside the wall and then he did so i guess we both had moments of is he gonna and then yes he did my question i guess is no, there's no point in asking this because it's made up <laughs> physics and it doesn't exist okay go but ahead. Like, why how do you know that doesn't give you a heart attack or something like if you're Should partially, i don't know inside of a wall like because that was always a i think an issue and i'll have to i'd have to talk to my other podcast host brandon bernstein about this i think that was an issue with kitty pride like if she would if she got stuck phasing, she could die, right? I think in the X Men, I think I feel like they they want you to think of it as being like you you are on the beach and you've been buried in sand, like you know, like your body is intact and it is surrounded by the wall, but like the wall's there. It's, it's not hollow. You. It's like no. your space is not empty and then being filled by your body. So like, I'm really not quite clear on how that doesn't kill you, but whatever. Yeah. I also don't really understand how warp drive works. So <laughs> my, I allow that to just go pass by with like, you know, you're on impulse and like suddenly all the meteorites are dangerous. And then you go to warp and no one cares about the, the like various the space debris. But like, okay. Well, you're, uh, I, I think the idea, I mean, the way, I mean, sort of Star Wars sort of explains that with light speed that like you're, they see you, they seem to be sort of in a portal when they're traveling at light speed, right? Maybe. I just remember uh, I grew up reading the foundation books and in those books, which are like being written by a guy who is actually trying to figure out like what it would be like. They're sitting there trying to calculate where the ship's going to end up at the end of the warp so that they don't wind up in the middle of a sun or something. And it's right. like this whole big process right. and, you know, right. and the TV and movies and stuff, they're just like, well, only 24 more years till first contact day so you've got some time to think about it so well we'll see if the irish reunification happens next year yeah it's got to be next year and also uh i think we're already overdue for the gabriel bell riots no that's 2024 also oh it is okay yeah great so we got we got (laughs) to well that means gabriel bell is out there though right right he's in he's in the sanctuary somewhere (laughs) so yeah um yeah <laughs> so I, I it was just a fun little thing that reminded me of my favorite comic so that just yeah. made me feel good and i do enjoy that both you and i were sort of thinking about how the fight would go as it was happening it was uh, a good fight and, and i think it was even better because of the fact that it was like late in the episode yeah yeah it made super superman's appearance should feel special mm-hmm. um so I, I i like that couple things about the twins and Sarah and Nat, John Henry, Lana, Kyle, all that stuff. All right, all the Smallville type stuff. Interesting pairing of Jonathan and Kyle. I was very curious if a high schooler can work at a fire station. And according to state laws in Kansas, you have to be <laughs> you have to be 18 years old to work to to at least work as a firefighter. You looked that up, huh? I did because I was I anticipated asking you about it and I thought, well, Sam's just gonna look it up in real time. So first I looked it up and it went to Illinois and, and it was like, you know, you definitely have to be 18 or older. And it appears, at least in Kansas City, you have to be uh 18 or older. So that it didn't say anything about working in a fire station. I don't know if that like is he gonna be mopping the floor or does he want to fight fires? But you certainly I don't think can be a 15-year-old kid fighting fires. Doesn't seem 
safe or legal. My second question is, why does he want to do that? Like, it didn't even seem like it was on his mind. And then is it just because he wants to do something helpful the way his brother does? Or like, what? why did he want to so much so that he would break up with his girlfriend? Yeah. And, and also just as an aside, why does Kyle need him to pick one or the other? He's a high schooler. Why can't he have a job that isn't on weekends? I get it. What does Kyle care? Uh-huh. So both of those things. So what, what, what do you what do you think about those two questions? Why does Jonathan want to do this? Why does Kyle care that it's it's that he has, that he wants to have his weekends free? Well, wanting to do it makes sense to me because he feels like it's like some sort of equivalent to the things that his brother and his father and his mother can do. Um, that's not the same as the things that they do. So it's like it would be his own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's sort of what I got, but it was sort of like he didn't even have the idea until he saw Kyle. So I don't know, maybe that's just how ideas happen. Yeah, um, I think what, that that just makes sense to me. Okay, and what about Kyle caring about? What do you think about that? Like, why? What is it? Just you know, just to give, to, just to was, give Jonathan a decision to make. He was just being a dad there. He was just like, well, champ, you know. <laughs> It's up to you. You gotta, you gotta make the right decision. Mm. Right, like sort of like, you know, fighting fires is serious, and the you know we weekends, you know, there might be a fire on the weekend, kind of thing. You you can't decide, but like, what if he's not there? So I don't know. Um, I thought that was that was that was kind of dumb. I have to share my screen now and show you something. I will narrate it for our audio. Oh, good. Meeting. Okay, you found something about Kansas law with. Nope, not Kansas law. This is a slight change of subject. Oh, okay. (laughs) But we learned in that episode that Smallville is four hours from Topeka. That means that it is not in eastern Kansas anywhere, and it has to be further out west than Wichita. So I ballparked Dodge City, and turns out that's about four hours and 20 minutes from Topeka. So... Uh, if you zoom in on the map a little bit, you can pick a few places that are a little bit, um, east of Dodge city and maybe a little bit north for the possible location of Smallville. Maybe it's south of Hayes and you can see on the map, you have some like extremely rural kind of low populated areas around here. So I think that's a pretty good clue that we're looking at something in Western Kansas for Smallville, although it's hard to peg north or south, any of these places would be roughly in the four-hour mark from Topeka. Um, and That's really, really cool. you're you're halfway to Colorado by then. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did they say what direction it is? Four they hours? They did not say what direction, but he, he only said four hours. But I'm just saying that, like... If you go four hours in another direction, you won't be in Kansas. North, you're not in... North, you're in Nebraska... Uh, You're literally not in Kansas anymore. East, you are going to be out of Kansas within an hour. Wow. You could potentially go south. Like, I'm going to put in, um, let's say, for um, simplicity's sake, let's say Joplin, Missouri, which is right on the other side of the Missouri border from Kansas. Okay. That's only three hours and 12 minutes. So south, basically, you go four hours, you're in Oklahoma. So it's got to be west. So I have wow. solved the, they have, they have made it. Oh, there's only one direction you can go. Um, so near Dodge city, near Dodge city. I don't know. I could try something more North of that. 
uh, let's say Stockton, Kansas. Okay. Um, and that's showing up as three and a half. So that's why wow. I pushed it. That's why I pushed it sell. I like the Dodge City idea because I've heard of Dodge City. Um, yeah. And yeah. because it puts some more distance, like having it be west and south. Um, is there? All right. So then I'm going to let's. So this is this is cool, Sam, because this is sort of one of our sticks is of this podcast is we've been talking about this since episode one of where is Smallville. Let's push this one step further. Does that help you at all in your understanding of where Metropolis is knowing that it's a ride? Like, do we need a time frame from Metropolis to to? to Smallville in order to, to get closer to that? Or does that help at all? Well, basically it's like, I've always said, basically if, if Metropolis is in Kansas, then they've added a great population center to a part of the country that doesn't have one, right? Like between Wichita and Denver, there isn't a city that size. There just isn't. It's all small towns. Right. So Dodge City is called a city. Garden City is called a city, but they're not really cities right. um, like Metropolis. So basically they're making one up and putting it there, which is funnily enough something that Trump recently said that he wanted to do in his campaign. He was like, let's make up new cities. I mean, there's this idea that because China does that, like we can do that. Oh. Just like plop down a completely new city somewhere and just like pay a lot of people to move there and like do new jobs that we want, Right. Um, that's not historically how cities develop here, but like, there's definitely room for one. Like you could put Metropolis right there between Uh, Wichita and Denver and it would like, you know, fill a niche. (laughs) Bravo. I mean, that's, that's, that's why. Of course it would not have any of the bodies of water that we are used to seeing around Metropolis whenever it's depicted as a sort of a New York standard. Or where would Hobbs Bay, like Hobbs Bay is a bay. So. <laughs> right. So you're not going to get that in Western Kansas. No. no Are there no any bay. bodies of water at all? <laughs> not unless they're man-made. I guess that's sort of the problem with putting Metropolis in Kansas is that mm-hmm. Metropolis, fe- one of the reasons why Metropolis feels like an Eastern seaboard city is because of the sea. <laughs> because yep. of the, there, there is a lot of Superman flying over you know, a body of water to get to the the horizon of of the city. Yep. So, <laughs> okay. So we kind and of you know, think of all of the times that he's landed planes on the water, bombs, or, yeah. yeah, missiles. There's yeah. always that water. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess there's a body of water, is a great lake that we don't know about, or something. Maybe it's the Luther Reservoir. It's funny, while you were trying to figure that stuff out, I was trying to figure out the age difference between Kyle and Chrissy. (laughs) I did miss why it was Chrissy at this high school dance. Okay, all right. So number one, why (laughs) is the editor of the town paper chaperoning a school dance? Like, I get Lois being like, I want to see the boys all dressed up. Parents, even get parents chaperone dances. Random adults who live in town don't chaperone high school dances. No, especially ones who previously have said that they feel like lo- uh, lo- being a loser by going to a high school party, birthday party on a Saturday night. They really so, felt like they just didn't feel like they wanted to leave Chrissy out of the episode. So they right. put her in, but it made no sense. They had to get to the point where she and Kyle were waking up in bed together. That's <laughs> they had to get there. So how are you going to get there? I mean, that was ridiculous. Second of all, Kyle says, 
we're, we we went to high school at different times. So I was actually surprised by this because to me they seem the same age. Oh, turns out that's not how I heard it. Sorry. Oh, I heard him saying we went to high school in different times, meaning different times from now. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I heard it at different times, which I thought like how different they seem the same age. But as it turns out, actor who plays Kyle is 43. Actor who plays Chrissy is 33. So they actually are 10 years apart. Okay. But, but your way makes more sense for the story because I was like, why is Kyle? First of all, is Kyle from the nineties or is he from the eighties? The song they were playing, which is the name of the episode head on, by Jesus and Mary Chain is the name of the... Yeah, the... I love the Jesus and Mary Chain, but they were before my time, but I still listen to them. So there's your answer. 1989. But like, if you were six years old in 1989, you didn't listen to music then. But when you were 16, 10 years later, you might have listened to the good music from right. the 1980s. That's true. So you were, you were familiar with that with that group and with that song? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that like, because it just seems sort of like 80s rock to me. Was it like sort of on the cusp of um, alternative? No, or I, I wasn't that's familiar not with that. why I knew them. I knew them because members of the Jesus and Mary chain were later in other bands that I liked. Oh, okay. I mean, I assume that was a big hit in 1989 because it was in a TV show. So they didn't have that many hits. Right. But that was um, probably their big hit, right? Yeah. I mean, they were um, shoegaze. Do you remember that? No. Did you ever listen to my Bloody Valentine? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the sort of thing that they were kind of a precursor of. One of the people who was in the Jesus and Mary chain later was in Primal Scream, which was one of my favorite bands. Okay. Okay. Um, So yeah, that's why I knew them. Psycho Candy was a big album. To me, it was a random, a random song. I didn't know it. Um, So I'm happy to learn that and see that it wasn't so random. And, you know, because they, they, they must, it must have been like, Maybe it was David Ramsey's favorite song or something because he called the episode that. So, yeah. Do you remember Lost in Translation? That movie? The movie? Yeah, yeah of course. So that um, the one of their big songs was was used in that movie. Very like at the very last scene, it was like a big, uh, "Just Like Honey" was the song. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that song. That's them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I definitely know that song, and I and I probably learned it from that movie. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I'll I'll accept that. Um, was there? I mean, I I really liked how they kind of had like a cute sitcom ending, which yeah. is sort of the dancing in the in the um in the living room. I it it's I don't condone the person whose show this was and their actions, but it reminded me of the Cosby Show. Like often they would end with Cliff and Claire dancing in the living room for some reason. So it was just sort of sweet. Um. And it was really funny how how Jordan was like, "Can I cut in?" And then Lois said, "You washed your hair." Like, yeah, like, that was. Cute. He always looks greasy, and he is. He doesn't. <laughs> wash his hair. Yeah, that was very cute. Um, I like that, and I like the um, the extent to which they showed Sam basically going out of his way to make up for his like previous gaffes with Nat. That was really nice. It was great. I love them riding ATVs together. Mm-hmm. And I just like Sam now. He's, he, you know, like he said, that, you know, Lois comes out sort of hot, ready to yell at, at him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you guys talking about me? And he's just like, I'm here to support you no matter what. Like mm-hmm. He's sort of getting it. It's kind of fun to watch his his character. His they character did that art. a number of times in these episodes. Um, they had characters talking about something and then a third person would come and they would change their subject but in a very in a way that acted very natural as opposed to what often happens in a show where like the new person immediately intuits that they were talking about something else and then makes the whole scene about that yeah um and i like that that they they decided to go a different way which is like yeah maybe have the people be a little faster on their feet and change the subject so that like everything doesn't become about what they were just talking about yeah yeah it seemed like people this episode everyone was sort of doing the thing that the opposite of the thing that we always get annoyed about. Like they were being like real human mm-hmm. people. Maybe David Ramsey and Andrew Wong are are good for the show. I don't know. I, I don't, I haven't really been able to tell the styles of the different directors yet and the mm-hmm. writers, but uh, uh, th- this was a really, really solid episode. Uh, last, last week was good too. And I know that the episode three, we sort of felt like, what do we talk about? This was just sort of a get you to the next one episode. So th- this was with 10, we got 10 to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Cool. Anything else? Don't think so. All right. Well, thank you, Sam. Thanks, Henry. See you next time. You soon. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Our theme was composed and performed by Sam Bernstein. You can tweet us at Superman Pals Pod, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another thrilling adventure of Superman and Lois and Pals.